Hello and welcome to Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. I am your host, Kim Smith. We're on episode 154, How Good Are You at Reading the Room? You know, doing this podcast now for 154 episodes, which still absolutely blows my mind, I've learned something, I've learned a lot of things about God, but there's one particular thing that has really grabbed me, especially this week. And that is that I will never, ever, ever in this lifetime wrap my mind around the mind of God. Because I've taught this particular set of scriptures at least once before, and never in my wildest dreams would I have anticipated God to take me in the direction that he has taken me this week, and for me to take you on that same journey. So we have been working our way through the book of 1 Samuel, and now we are in 2 Samuel. We're in the first chapter, verses 1 through 15. So know that 1 and 2 Samuel, that's one combined book. It's been divided up. Same thing for 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles. It's, it's one book. But it does very appropriately divide where it was divided because you have the end of King Saul's reign as the first king of Israel. And now we are walking into the season that is the golden era of Israel, that being the reign of King David. Now we have walked with David, and if you haven't been with us, if this is your very first time tuning in, first and foremost, thank you so much. Thank you so much for just jumping on here and spending a little time with me as we walk through God's word. I'm not about, in this podcast, I'm not about doing a deep dive into scripture. I want you to do that, but I am, with everything I've got, I am trying to whet your appetite. To whet your appetite for God's word even the stories of the Old Testament. So many times believers will camp out in the New Testament and, oh, yes, there is richness in the Old Testament, but there is richness in the, I mean, in, let me get that back. So there's richness in the New Testament, no doubt about it. It's the story of Christ. It's the story of the early church. But, there is richness in the Old Testament as well. The same God of the New Testament is the same God of the Old Testament. You will hear sometimes people make comments that it's like two different variations of God, that he is, he is much more, um, much harder on sin in the Old Testament as opposed to the New Testament. Well, have you read the Old Testament? Have you seen what the Israelites and the other areas were doing? The non-Christian areas, I know it wasn't Christian at that time, but the non, non-Israelite, non-God-fearing areas were doing. The Canaanites were, 
dog awful. And so were so many of the areas around them. They were not only worshiping other gods, but they were sacrificing their children to their little G gods and on and on and on and on. And for a holy God, he's not going to just sit back. The fact that he, in our day and time, is not as aggressive as he was in Old Testament times, that's the miraculous part. And I don't know. I don't know exactly what God is doing. What I do know is he is big enough and he is brilliant enough. And he is the one who knows how his story needs to play out. And I need to trust him. And as we continue to walk through the Old Testament narrative, I just ask you, number one, to pray. Pray that God will open up your spiritual eyes and ears, that you will hear God's word. Number two, pray for the courage to apply God's word. Because the thing is, I could read the same scripture every day for the rest of my life. And again, the original meaning is not going to change. But God can show me something different because he's God. He's God. And that's definitely what he has done with me in this particular set of scriptures. So let's jump into this because we're going to go through a couple of longer sets of scripture in this. But Lord willing, you will see, you will see how God can use this to help you better share the gospel in your daily life. So, last week, we talked about the fact that Saul, his eldest son Jonathan, and two others of his sons were killed. And it was gnarly. Like, what happened with their bodies? Like, it was just a bad deal. The Philistines one against the Israelites, really just mopped up the floor with them. And Saul not only died, but his body and the bodies of his sons were hung up, you know, just as a mockery, not only to him, but to the God of Israel. And his body was recovered, brought back into Israelite territory. But the story of last week, we were talking about how Saul died. So let's let's take a moment. I hadn't really planned to do this, but it really is helpful. You need to hear the true story of what happened in order to understand why the story that's in 2 Samuel 1, the story that the young Amalekite tells David, why he did not read the room. Like, he definitely did not read the room. So what does it mean to read the room? And then I will read a little bit of 1 Samuel 31. Well, it's a concept of having the awareness when you go into a space. It may be a room where there's one, or it may be a room where there's a thousand people. But as a speaker, that's how I think of it. I have had the privilege of speaking to some unique audiences over the years. One of the most unique audiences and one of the greatest opportunities I ever had was to speak 
inside of a maximum security male prison. (laughs) And I was reminded of that this week because next month, well, either next month or right after it, I'm going to get the opportunity to speak to some of those same people again, but it will be via some sort of technology. I will not get to go into the situation. It will be much harder to read the room in the midst of that. And I remember going in, number one, not having a clue, never being in any kind of place of incarceration before. And I'm in there and there are inmates from three different male prisons and inmates from one ladies prison. And they are there because I work for hospice. They were there to learn more about how to how to best do hospice in their particular facilities. And in my particular case, helping them to understand how to best take care of veterans in those different hospices. And talking about needing to read the room, oh my goodness, like I had no idea what I was walking into. So I am reading body language. I am looking for eye contact. I am watching in every direction. As I'm speaking, I'm trying to make sure that I'm making a connection. One of the things that I do in my presentations, and this shouldn't shock anybody if you listen to this podcast at all, is that I like to tell stories. I like to tell emotive stories, ones that really touch your heart. So that even though I was going over information, I was going over a lot of useful data, I made sure that there was at least one story that was going to tug on the heartstrings. And that for me is an effective way to communicate. But if I don't read the room, I won't, number one, decide on the right stories. And number two, I won't know if those have really had the effect for which I tossed them out there. And and trying to figure out exactly how to present the message. Last week, we talked about King Saul and his death. And I'm just going to read a little bit of this, and then we're going to jump into 2 Samuel 1, and, and you will see that the Amalekite in that did not read the room properly, and it was dastardly consequences. So in 1 Samuel 31, it says, Now the Philistines attacked Israel, and the men of Israel fled before them. Many were slaughtered on the slopes of Mount Gilboa. The Philistines closed in on Saul and his sons, and they killed three of his sons, Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malkishua. The fighting grew very fierce around Saul, and the Philistine archers caught up with him and wounded him severely. Saul groaned to his armor-bearer, Take your sword and kill me before these pagan Philistines come to run me through and taunt and torture me. But his armor bearer was afraid and would not do it. So Saul took his own sword and fell on it. So how did Saul die? By suicide. Okay. Next sentence. When his armor bearer realized that Saul was dead, he fell on his own sword and died beside the king. So how did Saul die? He fell on his own sword. 
and then his own armor bearer, because of that, killed himself. Now, let's jump ahead to 2 Samuel 1. Reminder, remember, David has been on the run from Saul for about 10 years. David has known that God has promised him that he is going to be the next king of Israel. But he's been on the run. Like his life has been in danger because Saul was messed up. Like absolutely messed up. And so David has been through so much. And the people of Israel plus the people in the surrounding areas know that Saul has chased David out of the country. David had gone into Philistine territory because if he was in Israelite territory, literally Saul would take 3,000 of his best soldiers just to try to find David. Just absolute, it's just an absolute mess. He took stalking to a level that is just off the charts. And then Saul is dead. And David gets the news. Check it out. 2 Samuel 1, after the death of Saul, David returned from his victory over the Amalekites and spent two days in Ziklag. And that's where he and his family and his military people, because he had his own tribe of about 600 military men, that's where they had been hanging out. I want to remind you, what have we seen about David in the past? Whenever David had the opportunity to kill Saul, he's not. He hasn't done it at all. He has said... I will not do anything to harm God's anointed one. He knew that God was going to take care of Saul eventually, but David refused to harm him. Verse 2, on the third day, a man arrived from Saul's army camp. He had torn his clothes and put dirt on his head to show that he was in mourning. He fell to the ground before David in deep respect. Where have you come from, David asked. I escaped from the Israelite camp, the man replied. What happened, David demanded. Tell me how the battle went. The man replied, our entire army fled from the battle. Many of the men are dead, and Saul and his son Jonathan are also dead. How do you know Saul and Jonathan are dead, David demanded of the young man. The man answered, I happened to be on Mount Gilboa, and there was Saul leaning on his spear with enemy chariots and charioteers closing in on him. When he turned and saw me, he cried out for me to come to him, how can I help? I asked him. He responded, who are you? I am an Amalekite, I told him. Then he begged me, come over here and put me out of my misery, for I am in terrible pain and want to die. So I killed him, the Amalekite told David, for I knew he couldn't live. Then I took his crown and his armband, and I have brought them here to you, my Lord. Let's stop there. So how did Saul die? Saul fell on his own sword. We do remember this, right? And who did he ask for help before he fell on his own sword? He asked his armor bearer. And what happened to his armor bearer? His armor bearer died as well. So this dude is not his armor bearer, nor did anybody kill Saul. What do you think the Amalekite is trying to do in this situation? He seems to think that He's going to get the trophy. He is going to have the respect and the admiration of David because he has killed David's arch enemy, Saul. He didn't read the room well. 
at all. Verse 11, David and his men tore their clothes in sorrow when they heard the news. They mourned and wept and fasted all day for Saul and his son Jonathan and for the Lord's army and the nation of Israel because they had died by the sword that day. Then David said to the young man who had brought the news, Where are you from? And he replied, I am a foreigner, an Amalekite, who lives in your land. Why why were you not afraid to kill the Lord's anointed one, David asked. Then David said to one of his men, Kill him. So the man thrust his sword into the Amalekite and killed him. You have condemned yourself, David said, for you yourself confess that you killed the Lord's anointed one. Uh-oh. So, it would have been one thing if the Amalekite had done what he said he had done. And if Saul had asked him to put him out of his misery and he had killed him, that would have been one thing. And David would not have been pleased at all, obviously. But this Amalekite lied. So not only did he not read the room, so to speak, but he mistook the room so badly that he lied which ended up leading to the end of his life. I read over this, and I've read over it before, but this particular time, I just, I didn't have words, to be honest with you. Because this fella thought for sure that he was going to win the golden prize. That he might even be like high up in David's army as David took the land. Because everybody knew David was going to be the next king. If he could live through Saul and his stalking, he was going to be the next king. But the thing is, David loved Jonathan. And he still had the respect for King Saul because he was was God's anointed one. This man obviously didn't know that. He listened to the press. He listened to the press that Saul had been stalking David and therefore David must take Saul and want him dead. And he lied in order to try to manipulate the situation to get in David's good graces. It is one of those situations that just, it's sad on so many levels. It's sad. It's sad when you lie. I mean, that just, that's not, you know, God is truth. And who is the father of lies? That would be Satan himself. But don't many of us try to manipulate situations? Like, we don't want to admit that, but it's the truth. And some people manipulate by lying. I remember back in seminary, I remember a particular conversation. I know exactly where I was standing. And I remember having this conversation with someone, and we were talking about a situation they were getting ready to embark upon. And they told me 
a piece of advice that they had been given by Christian people. I nearly came unglued because this person had given them advice to use manipulation in order to accomplish a certain purpose. It's like, this is just so wrong, it's not even funny. And so we know that this Amalekite did not read the room well. He didn't read David well. David was torn up because Saul, Jonathan, and Jonathan's brothers had been killed and the Israelite army had been routed. But I want to show you in scripture kind of the flip side. One of my favorite passages to teach through is in Acts 17, 16 through 34. Now, we could spend a long time on this. We are not going to. But I want you to, again, have your appetite whetted to how good Paul is of reading the room. Now, that doesn't mean that Paul didn't end up in a world of hurt many times. But if not getting in trouble would have been Paul's ultimate goal, we would think that he didn't read the room well. But that wasn't his ultimate goal. He wasn't trying to avoid trouble. His goal was to preach the gospel in every place, in every way. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. I want you to think about this as we look at this Acts 17 passage. These are Paul's words to the church at Corinth. Even though I am a free man with no master, I've become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I was with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. Verses 22 and 23, my my favorite part of this. When I was with those who are weak, I share their weakness for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. In other words, Paul reads the room and Paul intentionally chooses to identify with different groups of people in order to best deliver the message of the gospel. And in Acts 17, we are going to see his mastery of this. And I want you to, as we go into this, I want you to do the weekly assignment feature and pray for discernment for reading the rooms in your life and for the ability to speak the gospel most effectively. Let's look at the Apostle Paul 
and his mastery of reading the room and then using what he has discerned to best present the gospel in a way that the people can hear it most effectively while Paul was preached Paul while Paul was waiting for them in Athens he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city he went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the god-fearing Gentiles he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there he also had a debate with some of the epicurean and stoic philosophers when he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, what's this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? Others said, he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Okay, that was just the setup part because I wanted you in that. And we could go in again. I could teach on this for weeks, but we're not going to. Maybe in the page section, which I haven't opened up yet, but maybe that'll be where it'll go eventually. But that set us up. In other words, Paul is in Athens and there are little G gods everywhere. There are idols everywhere. The people are trying to figure out, they're just trying to figure out who to worship because all of us have that God-shaped hole. And so they're worshiping anything, anywhere, anyhow. And Paul is taking all of this in. Verse 19, then they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You are saying some rather strange things. We want to know what it's all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. And Paul knew that. And Paul was great at discussing with them. He was a very intelligent man, and he also had been trained in the Jewish law. He had he had a great understanding of just people and all that was happening in the cultures. Therefore, he was trying to, as we saw earlier in 1 Corinthians, he's trying to find common ground. Watch him go. Verse 22, so Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. Paul read the room perfectly. Paul has tuned in. Paul has been listening. Paul has been watching. He has also been watching for an opportunity. And the opportunity, the door swung wide open. And he walks in. And instead of beating them over the head at this point, he starts talking to them about what he's observed. Like he's talking to them and helping them understand that he has an understanding of them. Verse 24. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. For one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall. He determined their boundaries. 
if they want to worship an unknown God or all these little G gods, he's going to share with them in their own verbiage who the one true God really is. Verse 27, his purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed, and he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others said, we want to hear more about this later. That ended Paul's discussion with them, but some joined him and became believers. Among them were Dionysius, a member of the council, a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Paul read the room correctly. So many times, people, even with with good motives, they they go in with their mouth wagging long before they ever try to read the room. So I think about other situations that I've walked into. I have spoken for veterans groups. I've spoken for college classrooms. I've spoken to children's groups. I'm not going in in the same manner to each group. I'm not talking about the same thing to each group. And I'm not going to deliver it in the same manner. Like, it just makes no sense. But how many times do we just think somehow or another there's this one-size-fits-all mentality with the gospel I don't have words and I'm thankful I don't have words because maybe that will cause me to take my own advice and spend more time Praying for discernment regarding my audience and the way best to share about the known God, the God who is known to me and can be known by each person with whom I speak. The Amalekite in 2 Samuel 1 did a horrible job of reading the room, and as a result, he lost his life. Paul, on the other hand, he did a masterful job of reading the room. And although not everyone in the room immediately 
said, oh yes, I know that what you say is true and I want to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior all the days of my life. The seeds of the gospel were planted. That was, that was Paul's job. And some did come to follow God. And others wanted to talk about it more. I want you to think right now, what are the, quote, rooms in your life? What are the audiences that you have? It may be audiences in your home, in your neighborhood. You know, I think about my neighbors, and I don't know if any of them will ever hear this podcast, but... My neighbors are very different. Their personalities are so different. And I need to be, number one, praying for them. That's something that I've been trying to work myself through and try to get myself in a habit of doing. And number two, I need to listen. I need to listen. I need to understand who they are, where they are. It may be groups at church that you have opportunity to speak to. It may be organizations that you are speaking and you're not there speaking on a specific faith topic. But if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, everywhere you go, the Holy Spirit goes. So it may be that you are speaking about governmental policies. But if you are living a life of integrity, people are going to know. As well as, no matter what you're talking about, if you say that you are a follower of Christ and you are not living a life of integrity, people are going to know. You need to read the room, but you also need to allow the Holy Spirit to read you. Maybe that's the first step. Ask the Holy Spirit to read the room that is your heart and see if there is any offensive way in you and lead you in the way everlasting before you ever try to read the rooms in your life. And when you get to that place, then begin to have the mind of Paul in the fact that he's attentive and he's looking around him and he's listening and he's making sure that the gospel message is in a format that makes sense to his hearers. We didn't talk about Christ tonight and his style of teaching but i would love for you to just spend some time in the gospels matthew mark luke and john they're very different especially john i'm making my way through the book of luke right now i was in the book of mark last year and as you look jesus so often uses teachable moments Like, Jesus doesn't just have this 
one message for all. I mean, the message is that he's the son of God and he came to earth to live a sinless life and to die for our sins. But in the midst of it, he also teaches lessons, you know, more than all the books in the world would ever be able to contain. Um, That would be his miracles and the lessons that he taught. But look at it. Look at how he teaches. There are times where he teaches one-on-one. There are times where he teaches to the masses. The messages are different. The manner is different. But the ultimate goal is the seeds of the gospel. So, as we finish out, Back to the weekly assignment feature. Pray for discernment for reading the rooms in your life and for the ability to speak the gospel most effectively in those situations. And as you do that, if you have questions for me, please don't hesitate. Reach out to me in encouraging others in lovingjesus at gmail.com. Remember, we have the Facebook group, Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. In the show notes, you will see the link to that. Uh, It makes my day when listeners reach out to me and let me know either their questions or what's going on in their life so that I can pray. You will never know how much that helps me. Because again, podcasting, is not the easiest form of teaching. I can't read the room that I cannot see. So you can help me with the reading of the room by just sharing a little bit of your story with me. Let me know who I'm talking to each week as I share from God's word. Most people hate the silence. But sometimes we need to be silent. We need to be silent. We need to allow God's word to sink in, to change us. And I ask you, I challenge you this week, first, ask the Holy Spirit to read your heart and be willing to surrender to whatever he points out and then ask him for discernment to be able to read the rooms in your life and to be able to speak the gospel message clearly. And next week we're going to go into David's heartfelt response to the information about the deaths of Saul and his best friend, Jonathan. You know, you got to remember, Jonathan and David were connected in in a rare friendship. And David's heart was broken. Yes, he's going to be the king. One of these days, it's going to all fall into place. But in next week's lesson, we're going to see him poured out. And he mourned in a way that is so like David. 
So please join me for that. Um, invite others. It is free for you to share this podcast. It's free for you to listen to this podcast. Please take advantage of that and share this with others. If you have any question about how to do that, let me know and I will help you out with that. As we close out, please remember, it's always a trust and obey kind of day. Mm-hmm.